if I have choices or understand what's happening, I can make choices. I can I have the clarity now to see that, that it's not all going to end if this doesn't happen. Welcome to episode 62 of The Recovery Show. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. We say changed attitudes can aid recovery, but how do we change our attitudes? How does it help? Today we're going to talk about changed attitudes. Before we begin, we would like to state that though we at The Recovery Show may be in a 12-step program, we represent ourselves rather than the program. During this show, we will share our own experiences as they relate to the topic of changed attitudes. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Spencer, and I will be your host today. Joining me is co-host Rachel. How are you doing today, Rachel? I'm good, thanks. The first segment of today's episode of The Recovery Show will be our discussion of the topic Changed Attitudes. Following a musical break, we will talk about our lives in recovery, about what's happening in the meetings we attend and in our lives. We'll follow that with your email or voice contributions and some brief news about the podcast before closing with another musical break. And I want to start with a reading. I found a whole bunch of readings about changed attitudes. Big surprise, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I liked this one. This is from our daily reader, Courage to Change, from August 30th. Good book. Normally, my sponsor would recommend a gratitude list when I felt low, but one day, when I complained about a family situation, he suggested that I list all the things I was unhappy about. Several days later, my depression had passed, and when I told my sponsor about the terrific day I was having, he suggested a gratitude list. He thought it might help me to refer to it the next time I felt blue. That made sense to me, so I complied. When I went to put this new list in the drawer where I keep my papers, I noticed the old list and read it once more. To my surprise, the earlier list of grievances was almost identical to my gratitude list. The same people, same house, same life. Nothing about my circumstances had changed except the way I felt about them. For the first time, I truly understood how much my attitude dictates the way I experience the world. I don't know if you've ever had that kind of experience, Rachel, have you? Absolutely, and I hate when that happens because it's there right in my face the whole time. It'll probably happen tomorrow. <laughs> Look around and say, wait. There you go. <laughs> Seeing this totally different. Um, I, I pulled a definition of attitude. Thank you, Internet, uh, Google. Um, and there's a couple of, of definitions here that I wanted to read out. Uh, the first one is the one that I think we normally think of when we think of the word attitude. It says, a settled way of thinking or feeling about someone or something, typically one that is reflected in a person's behavior. And when I think about it that way, it's really hard for me to say, well, how do I change that? Right? Um, but the one that, um, and I heard this in an open talk, um, this guy said, yeah, I was having this, you know, how do I change my attitude? And my sponsor said, go to this dictionary and read the definition. And apparently in that particular dictionary, the first definition was this one, the orientation of an aircraft or spacecraft relative uh. to the direction of travel. And and he says, oh, well, I get that. I can change my, you know, angle of approach or whatever, my, my uh, um, orientation. Uh, and I, And when I heard that, I was like, wow. That is so true. It yeah. is. You know, I remember um, you had said that at a meeting that I was at, mm-hmm. that you spoke at. And, uh, you know, just the way you put it in the navigational area, it was really, it was easy to see because, you know, there it is right in your face. And mm-hmm. what are you going to do about it? And and I think if you go back to the, the reading that we had, um, you know, the guy says, everything in my life wasn't different. I was just seeing it differently. I was seeing it from a different perspective. Exactly. Um, so I thought, um, you know, one of the things that uh, – 
we talk about positive and negative attitudes and um, it's so easy for me when, when particularly when I'm upset about something, maybe resentful or just something's making me mad to go into a negative attitude and, and get into the nevers and always is, you know, to have this thing where, where it's just, it's just broke. Life is broke and everything is shit. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and uh, it, I, have you been there? Absolutely. And just because you're in recovery doesn't mean it isn't shit. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it is, you know, it, yeah. it's, it is what it is. And what are you going to do about it? And it can be empowering though. Yeah, it, it can be. Um, one of the things, you know, when I find when I'm usually when I'm in that place of negativity, um, I don't see a way out. Uh, I, I sort of wallow in it. Um, you know, somebody at, at a meeting recently the other night, um, I forget exactly what the topic was, but she was talking about how, uh, you know, there was a lot of things that were going on in her life and they weren't good, but that uh, she knew she could get through them because things always have worked out for her. Maybe, you know, maybe not the outcome she wanted, maybe not, um, you know, not as fast as she wanted it to, <laughs> uh, but, but they worked out. And I thought, now that is a, that's a difference that I've had, uh, you know, back certainly before the program and certain, and, and even uh, more recently than that, when I would get into a situation where, you know, something was going wrong in my life, um, I'll pick money. Money's an easy one. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Not enough money in the bank account to, you know, maybe make it to the end of the month kind of th- situation. And, and I could wake up in the middle of the night and I would just start worrying on this thing, just chewing on it and chewing on it and, and, and getting into that attitude of, Oh, this time we're not going to get out of it. This time for real, we're going down and we're not coming back up. And when, when she said that in the meeting, I realized that actually my thinking has, my attitude, I guess, has changed over the, maybe the last year. I'm not sure that when I wake up in the middle of the night and the same thing is in my head, um, I can sort of set it aside. And I realized the reason that I can set it aside is, is that I, understand it. There's nothing I can do about it at three in the morning and that things have worked out and, you know, yeah, I have to do some footwork, but they have worked out. And so I have that faith underneath and I can take and I can set it aside. I can change my attitude to one of waiting, I guess, in that case. Um, have, have you had similar things? Oh yeah, a- a- absolutely. Um, and I'm a, I'm a, Double winner. I'm in AA and Al-Anon. So uh, as any good alcoholic, I'm a control freak. So I can I can say, oh, I'll be patient. I'll be patient. Give it to me now. You know, what's that going to do? Um, but if I can just think on it, and almost somebody had said uh, in a couple meetings that to have a dog-like mentality where you, it's easy to say live in the moment. But truly, if you can do it or just mm-hmm. take a baby step to get there, mm-hmm. it'll really work. My dog is dumb as a box of rocks. He does not know <laughs> if I'm going to smack him in the head or give him a steak. And he's good with that. Um, and he's, you know, he's reliant on my good graces. But what he puts forth is just such kindness and just loyalty and just goodness that that's what he usually gets. Mm-hmm. And um, if I can just have the patience to do that, and patience is not, you know, like I say, it's not a, it's not a strong suit I have. But um, it's bettering than uh, going on a resentment, which oh I will jump to really fast. Mm-hmm. And they're not thinking about what they did to me. They couldn't care less. But I'm here seething on it, and they don't even know what happened. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. looking at yeah, it that right. way, what's the point? So it's, it's, for me, it's huge steps 
in getting there. But once I'm there, and I don't, I don't obtain it a lot. When I have it, I love it. And then sometimes it'll slip away and I scramble to get it again. But if I just let it be, and as somebody in a meeting uh, last night said that their, their father was Swedish and he always used to say just, so it is. So it and, is. And that's all, he would, that he would add everything with that. So it is. It is what it is. What are you going <laughs> to yeah, do? It is what um, it is. Yeah. Um, oh, that, re- <laughs> that reminds me of, of uh, something that uh, a woman said uh, again in an open talk at, uh, about how to sound like a wise sponsor. Oh, nice. Said, you just say things twice. Uh, that is so true. <laughs> it is what it that is. That is so true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it is what it is. What will be, will be. Yeah. Um, if nothing changes, nothing changes. That's right. Uh, <laughs> they're great. They are great. I'll tell you. And I'm like, yeah. So every time I hear it is what it is, I think of that. Um, it's an easy out, and I'm going to stick with it. Yeah. So how about um, sort of deliberately changing your attitude when – if I find myself in a place of negativity, um, it's often hard for me to sort of force my way out of it. I, I'd have that. That's true for I think the entire population, whether you're in a recovery program or not. Um, I don't know if this is what you're going for, but a thought that I always have in in a lot of Al-Anon meetings I go to, they say, "Well, if that's how they made you feel, or if that's how you take it," I'm like, "No, that's how you made me feel." And I'm going to feel it as long as I need to, voice it, and carry on. Um, but I, I, it's it's a fine line too because you know I I don't want to wallow in it. But mm. it did happen. You did something wrong. We both know you did something wrong. You can deny it, and it's the no closure that gets me. So I have to find my own closure. And when that happens, it's a longer path. But I'll get there. But I am going to feel it until I feel it no more. Well, you know that's a. That's an excellent expression, and I hadn't thought about finding finding your own closure, um, because so often the people in our lives that that do things, like you said, maybe they're not aware of it, um, or maybe they don't care. At least that's how it feels yeah, sometimes. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, if I wait for somebody else to apologize or or make it right uh, for something that you know, maybe they're not aware they did, maybe they're not around. Uh, you know, I, I, I have carried some things from, from years past that I don't even know where the person is anymore. I, it, that's <laughs> absolutely. And how many times can a dead person say they're sorry? I mean, they're not even here anymore <laughs> right. and you're still wallowing in it. Yeah. So it's, it's huge. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that, that comes to that whole forgiveness, um, thing, which is, whoa. Well, I'm, I'm no Pollyanna. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I can, I can get in there like the rest, but. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. So if you think about um, before you came into recovery, um, the way that you approached things, the way that your attitude oh. to life was and before and after. A train wreck. Absolute train wreck. As I, I came in to Al-Anon five, perhaps six years ago. This is actually my eighth uh, year anniversary today for AA. So Congratulations um, well, for that. Thank you very much, nurse. And yeah, there we go. <laughs> um, but I came into Al-Anon by mistake. I thought it was an AA meeting. And uh, a senior member there said, do you have such, such? And I was just ticking him off. I go, yeah. He goes, and he said, well, just sit the fuck down. Was his exact words. You know, he said, shut up and sit the fuck down. I'm like, you got it, chief. I got nothing. So I did that. I was Take direction. Absolutely. I was, which I don't do very well. I was probably two months into the program. And I simply stumbled into the wrong room. Mm-hmm. And here I am these many years later. But if I didn't have Al-Anon, I would not be working the steps as well as I am in AA. And and I hear so many different 
variations of this. Some AA can't stand Al-Anon and vice versa. There's a whole wall built up there. And that's fine for whoever's, you know, working that. But for me, they go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. Even if I'm not around alcoholics, I'm still an alcoholic. So that twisted thinking is still shooting around in the gerbil cage, no matter if anybody's there or not. So this has been extremely helpful, really helpful. And I, I wouldn't be without it. Mm -hmm. So what if you... What what tools have you used um, to help you find a different attitude about things that are happening? Um, I, w I would have to say, again, it's it's what you touched on in the beginning, patience, which is extremely hard. Um, acknowledging that the c three C's. I mean, I'm not going to change anybody. I didn't cause it, and I'm sure as hell not going to cure you. What I do with what you have is my mind to deal with. And that's what I really try and center on. And it's a lot easier to say than to do. Because if you make me feel some way, maybe there's something going on in my life that's just tipping that over. And it's really mm -hmm. nothing. And you might have not even met anything by it. Mm -hmm. But however, you're going to get the, the beast that comes out for it. Um, so I, I would really have to say, just, just think about things. And nothing is really that unattainable. That, that I can't get it, be it a thought or what I want to have happen. If it's really meant to be, it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And um, the Al-Anon people, I go to several different meetings, and it is just such a nurturing, kind, safe environment. Um, and, and the same with the AA, too. There's nothing I'm going to say at those tables that someone's going to go, ooh, check, please. No, we're there, <laughs> we're there for the entire thing. I've sat next to lawyers and murderers, literally, mm -hmm. at the same table. Now, I didn't always want to same hold guy? hands. So, pretty much should have been. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. Absolutely. But he got himself off. But, uh, you know, it's, it's just, it's a, it's a good area that we have to just speak your mind. And nowhere else out there does anybody have to take their own inventory. If I didn't have to do it, I assure you I would not. But I'm told to do that every day and it works. Mm -hmm. Have you found that, and, Inventory is a tool that you can use to help with the uh, attitude issues. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. It's it's huge. In inventory, it's it's whatever I'm putting in or going out. It's everything. Yeah, I've been trying to trying to think of a of a recent example. I think. Yeah. Okay. So, I use this a lot at work. Um, I mean, I guess I do a lot of my interpersonal relationships at work, um, and. So last couple months ago was December because it was last year. It had to be last year. Um, I had a meeting with my boss, you know, annual performance review, whatever you want to call it. Those are always fun. <laughs> yeah. You know, your boss takes your inventory and then tells you about it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and you're welcome. Does your, does your fifth step for you. Mm -hmm. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and one of the things that, that he highlighted that I need to work on uh, shortcoming, character defect, whatever you want to call it, uh, is in communication. And, you know, part of me was like, damn it, I'm getting a, I'm, I'm so much better than I was. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and I probably said something to the effect of, well, I feel like I've improved. Oh, that was very dip. Well played. Uh, nice. Uh, you know, I'm not going to say, damn it, I'm so much better than I was to yeah. my boss, at least not in that context, maybe before I having a beer. Okay. There but, you go. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, and, and, but he said a couple of things. Um, one is that, that there was at least one time during the year when, when my anger issue surfaced and, um, I really snapped at somebody in a meeting, which almost on the spot, I mean, it was like, you know, four hours later or something, I went and 
and apologized, you know, do my 10 step, right? Make amends. I was wrong. Should not have, I should not have talked to you in that way. Um, and, um, you know, the person said, that's right. <laughs> you know? Just grind that salt um, in there. Which, I mean, you know, but that is, I mean, that is the truth of, of you know, ninth, ninth and 10th step, right? That, that the other person's not necessarily going to say, oh, well, that's okay. That's fine. Don't worry about it. Right? I mean, you bastard, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> it's not where they are. But then she continued and said, you know, we need to, we need to figure out a better way to communicate. Okay, and and so with that person, I actually um, sat down a few weeks later, and we talked about what had happened, what was going on, and you know, and I expressed that that my re- my reaction was coming from a feeling that she was asking me to do something that I was not able to do, but obviously didn't come out well, um, and so we talked about that, and and we've we've come to a better place, and and that's not happening, uh, but my boss brought that up because um, he got involved. Um, somebody came to him and said, "Hey, you know what happened in that meeting?" Blah blah blah. I don't like you know. Um, and uh, but the other thing he said was that that when I do that sort of thing, he said, "Then sometimes people are, uh, you know, afraid." I guess um, is the word he used uh, to maybe come and ask me questions to talk to me. Be- and and since I need to be a resource for a lot of people, that's really and you know not good for my job. And uh, and I realized. And here's the inventory part. See, I was going to come back around to inventory eventually. Um, the inventory part is looking at how I do interact with um, some of the people in the office. And, you know, there's one guy, I'll, I'll just pick out one guy that, I don't know, he just kind of rubs me the wrong way. He annoys me. I don't know why. I mean, I have some some hypotheses. It doesn't really matter. He, you know. I have an emotional reaction to the way that he talks or whatever it is. Um, and it's not really important why. Just recognizing that when he comes to me, like my hackles raise up, you know, sure, yeah. the hair on my back stands up if I was a dog, which I'm not. Um, and then, so knowing that, then the question is, well, what can I do? And And what I can do is, and what I have been doing is deliberately and consciously trying to put on an attitude of welcome um, and acceptance when, when he comes by and, you know, look at him, smile, say, Hey, what can I do for you? And it makes a big difference in our interactions. Um, I don't feel so annoyed. I don't know what he's feeling, but I, I figure he's probably getting, you know, feeling better about our interaction. Um, So it's a, it's a win-win. It, I have to practice this behavior that is not instinctive to me. You know, it's interesting to me if I can just jump yeah, in. Yeah, absolutely. I have a memory like a gnat, so it could be gone like that. Your boss initiated this dialogue. Had he not done that, you would have just looked at that guy and gone, oh, my God, is he wearing green again? I'm going to kill him. <laughs> I mean, but this is the gift that we're given in the programs because we are told we, we're sitting right across from somebody. I can't ignore you. You're staring right at me. I'm staring right at you. What are we going to do? But the outside world doesn't have this luxury, and communication has just gone down the toilet. I mean, you tell me you wouldn't rather text somebody than call them. It's so much easier. It's like, bam, we're done. 
you know, I don't even have to wait for a response. I can be saying, oh, I hate you. See you at six. You can be saying whatever you want, you know, but if you don't have that dialogue and if you don't bring it in, this is how, you know, the communication level helps everything, at least to me, because it just breaks it down. This guy isn't the, the demon seed you thought he was. He, would you want to have him over for cards? Probably not. I might never see you outside work, but I'm not going to kill you nine to five, yeah. which is huge. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they're, you know... I guess I'm I, I, I sometimes not a very tolerant person, so... Um. No, you're not, and I'm meaning to speak to you about that. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm tolerant in, in many ways. Um, as my boss put it, he said, he says, you know, I have the same problem. I don't suffer fools. Oh, nice. And, <laughs> a little passive like, well, aggressive I'm, there? <laughs> I'm glad you understand. Um, <laughs> can you cut me some slack? <laughs> no. And you're fired. <laughs> uh no, luckily we have a better relationship than that. Um, actually, this 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 boss is, I think, he's a uh, the boss that's the easiest for me to get along with. Um, I feel like he really he's got good people skills. It's um, essential. And uh, I mean, you know, he's technical because I work in a technical field, um, but he also really understands like how to do communication, how to do relationships within the work context. Um, and, uh, I always thought it was you're either a th uh, therapist or a programmer, but you know, that's, that's I'm the a realm. programmer. <laughs> <laughs> therapist. Oh man. Whew. Exactly. Uh, uh, you know, yeah, well, I mean, sponsor, that's not exactly like therapist. Thank goodness. That's a fine line. Uh, it is sometimes you think. Yeah. Um, so do you have, um, like slogans or something that helps you? Use any of the slogans. Live to fight another day. <laughs> Is that one of our slogans? <laughs> no, not really. No, <laughs> no um, uh, there's, uh, you know, I, every time I go into a meeting, I see several on a wall and they don't jump out at me. I get things from a table every day mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm. I might not remember the way they're said, but the gist is there. Can I repeat them? Can I tell you? And it was a pearl of a gem and I just, I'm like, I got nothing but watch what I can do now because today is going to be a good day. So yeah. those kind of things help. And, um, it, it doesn't matter, and I just, I can't stress this enough, the fact that we walk into a room, and I go to several different meetings, meetings that I don't know anybody, I can barely find my way there. I have just no navigational skills, as you can attest to. Um, oh, but found, I found here. That was not easy. I left yesterday. <laughs> but uh, it, it's a, we walk in cold. We don't know anybody. We don't know them, and yet we're telling them things that half our friends, our, our neighbors, our loved ones, our family have no idea what's going on. Yeah, it's and it's through the communication and I, and also the safety. It's just it nothing is going to happen to you when you're there. Um you might get a few looks every now and again, but even that doesn't happen too much. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. just the, the idea that you're communicating with somebody and and for me an isolation would be death. I, I I don't do well with isolation. Some people can do without being around anybody. They like it better. No. It's be a death sentence for me. So going into a room full of people is not an issue for me, be it a program or anywhere else, but there's a safety kind of net that you have, or I have found in each program. Mm -hmm. And it's a gift the outside world just doesn't have. Mm -hmm. They have no clue. So you go in, you go into a meeting with, with ears open and, and an attitude of acceptance, would you say? No. no. I'd like, that was pretty. And I'd like to say yes, <laughs> but um, I, I, I'm, I'm a judger. I'm an alcoholic for God's sake. I'm going to, I'm going to take your inventory before you even sat down. Oh, you're not really going to wear those pants, are you? Oh my God. I will do that. I'm working so hard to say, oh, what? Just shake myself. Mm -hmm. But I'm not going to lie to you. I, I'll still do it. Do I open up and, and hear what people are saying? I sure try to. Some of the best things I've ever heard have been from people that 
I wouldn't put my purse next to. I mean, just when I you see them, it's mean, just yeah. like that. You don't know what you're yeah. getting when you hit these. Yeah. But if you just relax and hear what they say and let them hear what you say, what you get is just immeasurable. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you use the literature a lot? Um, I do. I, I I can't quote anything. Okay. Uh, somebody, I was at a table today, and they said, well, what, what page is a fist step on? And I just got done saying, oh, I have eight years, you know, sobriety today. And so they hand me, I'm like, I don't know where that damn thing is. Are you saying, look, it's on the wall. Don't be such a baby. You know, I don't have a clue. I wouldn't say I'm like a big book thumper. Um, I just try to do the best I can when I can and, and, and take it from there. And, uh, but there's slogans all around. But as I said, I hear things from people all the time, all the time. Yeah. You and don't I, know where they're coming from. Yeah. And that's, I mean, certainly that's where I get a lot of, that's where I get a lot of my understanding. I think, yeah. um, I, I, I feel often I learn from, learn well from people's stories. Absolutely. Much better than, um, you know, it's one of the reasons I liked, liked that reading, you know, this is something that, that happened to this guy. You know, he made this list of, of things he was pissed off about. And then three days later, he made this list of things he was grateful for. And then he looked at it and he says, well, you know, it's pretty much the same list. Um, and, and I can take that and I can apply that in my life. Um, I, I guess, you know, if I have an attitude about people sharing in meetings, it's, um, the people who really piss me off are the ones who are always talking about, well, you this and you that and, and and never saying anything specific, never talking about personal experiences. Right. I'm like, eh, eh, I'm not getting anything from you. Probably somebody else is, okay? You know, and that's and, and I know that's my problem. You know, we're sitting next to the same people then because I, I have the same thing that happens. It's 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 a share. It's like I'm opening them up. I'm I'm you know, I'm laying open a vein, and all you have is oh really? Well, this happened. I'm you know, it's hard to connect with somebody that's. For me, either not staying on topic, which is a total, you know, here we go with nitpicky, but, or just not sharing. Um, and maybe they've had a bad day. I don't, it, it brings me to the thought that I don't know what their day's been. I don't know what they've gone through. Mm -hmm. Perhaps they're just not mm -hmm. up to it. Perhaps it's too painful, or perhaps mm -hmm. they just got done with it and they're good and they want to leave it with a clean slate. I don't know. But this comes into me being patient and understanding and saying, well, uh, maybe next time they'll talk. Maybe next time I'll get something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But who knows? Have you found that um, having uh, having new attitude has has helped you in um, relationships? Oh, absolutely, Abs And this is where I'd have to say Al-Anon comes in uh, more than my AA. It's just that you know, if, if someone and I shared at a table on Saturday that it could have been just an awful day. Just I mean, it w it was tanking fast. It wasn't even eight a.m. and it was tanking because the person I was around was just being incredibly passive aggressive and just indecisive and just ornery and nasty. And I thought, oh, here we go. And in my head, I'm thinking, oh, well, you know, I'll do this and then it'll it'll be better and we'll have fun doing this and I'll enjoy this and maybe you'll have fun with it too. And then I thought, no. So I said, look, this is my day. This is what I have planned. If you want to come along, jump on in. But if you're going to be nasty, stay home because I can have fun at a dog fight. So you can either hop on and have fun or you can ride it somewhere else. So, but that, that's what I get from Alan. I'm not going to fix your bad day. And I haven't got the energy to do it. It is exhausting. And so just leave it. Absolutely. And, and I know that certainly before I came into Al-Anon that I would have been right in there trying to, trying to fix their attitude, you know, and, and my attitude would have just tanked because if I couldn't fix their attitude, if I couldn't make them happy, well then, 
You know, I learned this one from my mother. She's she's not happy if anybody around her is not happy. You know, we all have to be happy. She has to. That's. Um, I I I I say came by my codependency honestly. (laughs) (laughs) Learned it at my mother's knee, literally. Um, And I didn't see it when I was in it. Uh, And it's and it's stuff as simple as uh, what do you want to do for dinner? I don't know. Well, I don't know either. What do you want to do for dinner? Uh, And and not being able to come to a decision or um, you know this thing like you had yesterday where this person's just going to be in a bad mood and and. If you if you figure your job, if I figure my job is to make them happy, and they're just not going to be happy, then there goes my day. Right, and it happened to me. Like I say, eight thirty in the morning, it was already tanking, and I just I was absolutely famished, so I went down and I made some hash and eggs. And I'm I didn't ask, do you want some? What do you feel like this morning? Blah blah blah. Everything that you do when you wake up, I was like, sod it, I'm having this. And I said, there's hash and eggs in the kitchen. If you'd like some, go ahead. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. oh my, oh well, thank you. I'm like. Yeah, no problem. But I didn't, there was no thought into it. It was mm-hmm. offer it, but I didn't give you really a choice. I just kind of said, this is what I'm doing, welcome or not. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess I already talked about, um, you know, how I've sort of used uh, taking on a different attitude to help me some at work. Uh, if you ha- Do you have any uh, uh, experience like that you can relate or? Oh, God. All right. <laughs> Here we go. Now I do. Th- this was one. I was so upset with a manager at work that I was seriously ready to just hand in my resignation. I'm like, I'm, I'm done. This is just, you know, you're taking the train to crazy town, and I'm not going aboard that. And it had been going on for, you know, months. And uh, it, it just came to a point where it was coming, I was bringing it home with me, which just like never happens. I'm like, I can leave it there. I can take it off like a wet coat. I'm done. This was just, you know, because it caused external problems. It kept going and going. And it changes my day. How one day ends will a tribute to the next day. Sure. So I could never get ahead. No matter what I did, no matter how right I did it and by the standards that were given, it wouldn't work for me. And I was at so many tables and they said, you know, oh, well, you know, getting a job in this economy is not not easy. Just stay there. I'm thinking, oh, great. Just one, If one person had said, <laughs> do it, just go, just go, Rachel. Just I, I might have. But everybody who was at the table, and I went to several tables mm-hmm. and they all said the same thing. Just, you know, write it out and see what happens, see what happens. And I just... I just bit my tongue and I just thought, you know, I'll try this on once. It's not going to go well yeah, for me. Yeah. And and I did and it all worked out. I don't know how. Really? I have no clue how. She came up and apologized to me. Um gave me a gift which was very uncomfortable because I really didn't want it, but um <laughs> oh. I, I said thank you and and went on my merry way. Yeah. <laughs> but um and, thank you and for the thought at least. Thank yeah. you for the thought. I know you hate me, but this is fun. But uh and at work, I, you know, we have that uh, just the regular business relationship that you have to have. It's, right. it's office politics, yeah. and there's you can't dance around yeah. that. It is what it is, and the hierarchy is is already set, and it's beyond you touching. So, um, but if I hadn't had those groups to go to and voice it, I don't know what people do that don't have somebody like a group of people, impartial people to talk to. I don't know what they do. Yeah, well, they, maybe they spend a lot of money for a therapist, or maybe they just suffer. But they could, therapy doesn't <laughs> even help a lot of them, though. Yeah, yeah, and and actually, now that you you uh, told that story, I I'm thinking back to really before I was in the program, and the the environment in my office at that time was somewhat toxic, uh, in that there was a lot of backbiting, <laughs> um, not exactly backstabbing, yeah. but 
there was a lot of gossip. There was a lot of, well, let's go in this room and shut the door so we can say nasty things about this other person. I totally bought into it. It's fun. You know, this sort of... <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it wasn't until some years later where I had some time in the program and some of the people that had been involved in that had moved on uh, to other other employment opportunities, shall we say. Um, not necessarily voluntarily, but... and uh, But I still meet up with some of them. Um, and they still have that same... If I just don't talk about work with them because they're still in that place they were in. No closure. So many years ago. Yeah. Um, they're still very negative about all the people and the situations. And now when somebody tries to pull me into one of those things, I just don't go there. I just don't. It's not worth it to me because I realized that it wasn't, and it wasn't getting anything done. Um, it was, you know, it was screwing up my serenity. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and to be honest, when I would engage in negative talk about a coworker, then I found it more difficult to work with that person who may be a perfectly honest, hardworking, nice person that just for some reason, you know, maybe we were, you know, it was usually like, well, they're, they're just not doing it right. They're doing the wrong thing. They're not doing the thing they need to, they're not doing the thing we need them to do. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Getting into personalities. It's a scarlet course. letter. And, and it just, and it was so easy. It was so easy. And so, you know, sort of, I don't know, fun in a sort of a nasty way, um, to be there. And it, it took, it took that self-examination to see how it was hurting me. It took that inventory to see how this was damaging me. And I think one of the things that really brought it, you know, occasionally you have an experience that makes something really obvious, you know. Your higher power just throws a, you know, throws the clue brick at you. Right? Oh, yeah. And we had a boss. Uh, I've had so many bosses in this job. It's crazy. But um, we had a boss who, as we eventually came to see, told everybody with an absolutely straight face and very um, sincerely exactly what they wanted to hear, even if it was exactly the opposite of what he just told somebody else. And I'm not going to put a label on this behavior. I think there's, there are a number of different labels people could put on this, but, um, and so that when I, when I finally realized what he had been doing after he was fired for whatever reason he was fired for, then I started to see the effect that he had had, um, and, and to see the part that I had in it, you know, the way that I would buy into that same kind of behavior of, you know, backbiting somebody in private and then making nice to them in public and realizing that, that, you know, my behavior, while maybe not of the magnitude of his, and maybe just because I didn't have scope for it was, you know, it wasn't as, as, as egregious maybe, um, if I can use that word, yeah. give yourself um, a nickel, <laughs> uh, but it, it was the same behavior and I didn't want to be that person. And so there we go. Time to change the attitude. It can make or break you. And it can be just exhausting or exhilarating. It's mm -hmm. what you're going to do with it. So I, I assume you've got some 
you know, alcoholics and or addicts in your life? Aside from myself? Aside from yourself, yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> yes, I do. Um, have you found new attitudes helping you to deal with those those individuals? Absolutely. And um, and for me, this is all Al-Anon shining through. Right. It's, well, it's yeah, all Al-Anon. Exactly um, and uh, it, it, it's allowing them to be a shit, if that's what they're going to be, and not grab hold of it and fix it or change it or accept it. Um, and, and what you do with it is your own. Like I said in the beginning, if you say something that is rotten and makes me feel bad, I didn't bring that on myself, and I can't stand it when people say, oh, well, if that's how you take it. No, that's how you put it, and this is what I'm going to do with it. Please don't do it again. If you do it again, I don't want to be around you, and that's okay. Um, and I, when I first came into Al-Anon, I was always amazed that these people, oh, I've been married to an alcoholic for 30 years. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, what are you thinking? <laughs> really? What a glutton. But then I, the whole patience thing is going to took years to come through this. That's how slow I am with this. But it's the old adage, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Um, yeah. If you can work it, then work it. If you can't and it's detrimental to you, then maybe second thought it. But if you can do it, get it. Yeah. Well, I know for sure. I mean, Alan helped keep my marriage together. Um, you know, when I came into the program, I was, I was at my wit's end. I didn't, I didn't know how to keep on living the way that we were living. Um, and it's very much like the the reading that two years later, the physical situation had not changed significantly. You know, uh, my wife had gone through a period of sobriety. She was drinking again. And, you know, life was crazy. In fact, maybe crazier. Um, eventually, she lost her job. But I was in a different place. I had a different attitude, if you will. Um, yeah, absolutely. I had a different way of approaching life. Um, I had a different way of approaching her disease. And part of that was understanding it as a disease that it was something that was in control of her, not something that she was in control of. That helps with the changed attitude for me to understand that, that, you know, this was not something she was doing to me. Um, and this was not something she had control over. Um, helped me to have compassion and helped me to accept the behavior in, 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 accept it in that this is what the disease does, not accept it in, in, this is okay. I'm, I'm fine with this. I wasn't fine with it, but, um, I could live with it without going nuts, which is, is what was happening before. Right. Um, and I could come, you know, to a place of forgiveness. Um, if I stopped blaming her for the actions that the disease caused, then, you know, I could find forgiveness in my heart. And then, you know, that helps to let go of the resentment. It helps to let go of the anger. It helps to let, you know, there's still, you know, there was still fear. But was right? that because you felt more powerful because you understood it or had your own grasp on it? No, I don't think I was any more powerful. I or think just was, maybe understanding? I, I understood that I was less powerful than I thought I was. Um, it's just, it's kind of like living in Michigan in the winter. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll bitch and moan about the snow and the ice and the slush, but I live with it. I, you know. I choose to continue to live in Michigan for a number of reasons. I mean, it's not, it's not just that, Hey, I like this place. I've been here for you know 26 years now and, and I'm, it's familiar to me. I, you know, I like my house. I like my neighbors. I like mostly, I like my friends here. You know, it's not just that I like my job. If I went somewhere else, I'd have to have a different job. That kind of scares me. You know? <laughs> um, it's that, 
so I, I accept the weather for what it is. Um, I understand that it's going to make piles of snow. It's going to make an inch of ice on my driveway when you get two inches of snow and then it rains and then it freezes. Um, I can't change that, but I can have an attitude of acceptance. I got off the bus the other night and it had warmed up. It had rained and there was huge puddles like the sidewalks were lakes, right? Um, I got off the bus on my way home and I looked at the sidewalk that was water from <laughs> one snowbank to the other. And I thought, well, I could try to walk on top of the snow. You know, this is what acceptance gives me. It gives me my options, right? I can try to walk on top of the snow. I can walk in the street, except it's dark. And, you know, that's maybe not such a good plan. Um, or I can just walk in the freaking water and get my feet wet. Because I'm going to be home in five minutes. Right. And when I get home, I can take my shoes and socks off and, and dry them out. And I'll be okay. So that's what I did. And it was actually kind of freeing. I could actually have a little bit of fun with it. That's what, that's what I mean though. For me, uh, when I, when I say powerful, it's meant just the power of choice. Okay. Might have been, yeah. might have, that might make more sense in my head because, mm -hmm. uh, if I have choices or understand what's happening, I can make choices. I can, I have the clarity now to see that, that it's not all going to end if this doesn't happen. If this doesn't happen, something else will. What do I want to do with it? I guess that's what I meant. Yeah. Because that yeah, opens that a true. huge door for me. Yeah. That is so true. Yeah. And, and so I guess that's, you know, that's the place I was with, with the drinking mm -hmm. is that I can't change the drinking. Um, I can pray. <laughs> I can have hope that it will change, but I can't change it myself. And, and that paradoxically opens up other choices. Right. When I'm so focused on just the one thing, when I'm so focused on fixing the thing that I can't fix, I don't see the other choices. Right. Right. Yeah, and that's yeah. So changed an attitude there uh, about I'm I'm you know we have this reading in the book about you know you're in the desert and and you see this oasis and you keep going towards the oasis and the oasis keeps receding because it's just a mirage and and if you would look in a different direction there actually is a stream with some water in it and and that's that's exactly what that's about um, that I found the stream and the stream was in the rooms of Alanon it was in the literature of Alanon and. And eventually it was in my higher power, um, which I came to know a higher power through coming to the program. I mean, I didn't have, really have it before at all. I did not have that, that stream of, of, uh, power and serenity and, um, <clears throat> available to me. Right. I can, I can get that. Definitely. And actually, you know, I didn't write this down, but, but, you know, do you find help with your attitudes in a higher power in prayer and meditation? <sighs> Um, I do, and it's funny you say this because I was at a meeting this morning, and uh, step two in AA was um, was discussed, and that's just you know going to a higher power. Yeah. Now it doesn't say any uh, deity; it just simply yes. says a higher power, yeah. which is huge. And having survived Catholic school, that's a that's a huge <laughs> one for me. Um, but but it put things in context because as a Catholic, I could you know go to confessional and be absolved, right. which then I'm not responsible for anything. I could shoot you in the head and say, oh, that's ever so much a shame. Sorry about that. But, you know, here we are. Good to go. Three I'm Hail Marys sorry. and out you go. <laughs> Gravy. But with, with the thought of a higher power, it can be what someone else at the table is saying. Yeah. It can be just letting people hear me, just being heard. being. And for me, this is huge. It's, it's, everybody hesitates to use the word validation, but I don't because it's important to me. Um, I can validate something in my own mind, but if someone else even gets on that too, I'm like, oh, okay, it's not just me. 
We're getting a consensus here. And that's what I get from, from other people and from things. So a higher power, yeah, even if it's just a higher power to listen for today, a higher power to not act on something, a higher power to just see what's going to happen. And it takes a whole lot of pressure off me to know that it's not all up to me. I've yeah. got someone else out there that, you know, whatever it is, another table, a God, a, whatever it is, is going to help me through it. Yep. All right. Well, thank you. Um, this has been just a, a most enlightening discussion for me, at least. Where do you get my bill? <laughs> uh, three Hail Marys. And <laughs> That's right. No, you have to do better than that, son. <laughs> um, I wanted to close with a little piece of a reading, also from Courage to Change. This is from June 24th. A farmer found a magical flute. Hoping to charm his hens into laying extra eggs, he played the flute to them all day, but at nightfall he had no more eggs than usual. Later, when asked if he'd had any success, the farmer replied, I sure did. It wasn't much of a day for egg laying, but it was a great day for music. That's nice. And how many times have I ignored the music in my life because I didn't have the eggs, you know? There you go. All right. Well, we're going to take a short break, and we'll continue with uh, our Lives in Recovery section where we talk about the meetings we attend and what's happening in our lives. I'm going to listen to Patti LaBelle singing the song New Attitude. And in this song, she sings about how she's got a new attitude and her life is, is going better now. A little bit of the lyrics here. I'm feeling good from my head to my shoes, know where I'm going and I know what to do. I tidied it up, my point of view, I got a new attitude. section of the podcast, we talk about our lives in recovery, about what's happening in our lives and in our meetings this week. And uh, I'll start out here. Um, I missed my uh, my home group meeting this week um, for a stupid reason. Oh, you're going to hell. I am. I'm sure. Uh, I actually drove over to um, the church that it's held at. And because of the snow we've had here, the, the parking lot has many fewer parking spaces than usual. And I think there may have been something going on at the church, either that or the meeting's just overflowing. Because there were no spaces yeah. in the church parking lot. There were no spaces on the streets near the church. Right. And I just said, F this, um, and drove back. <laughs> I mean, it just, and I don't know. I think I was like, I probably really needed to be there because I was feeling like I didn't want to be there. And then I got there and it was a really good, a really good excuse to, to not be there. So I left. Um, I did, uh, um, meeting yesterday morning, um, 
we had a first step table, um, which we have when we get a newcomer in the meeting. And it's always good for me to go back and revisit the first step and to think about, um, in this case, uh, the person who was new to the meeting was, uh, you know, talking about their, their child. And I had to, I had a, an incident with my son a couple of years ago where, you know, it wasn't about drinking or drugs, but it, it, you know, it was a situation where I could have just dived in and tried to save him. And, and I, and because of what I had learned in Al-Anon, I was able to, um, not have to do that to, to provide the support to, to provide the things that he couldn't do for himself while he did the things he could do for himself instead of trying to take over for him. Um, and the amazing thing about that experience was that it really changed the relationship that the two of us had. Uh, before that, um, you know, he was still the, the angry teenager who had, had left at age 18 to go to college, ready to be gone with us, ready for him to be gone. And, and, you know, things got better when he, after he'd been away at college for a while, you know, he kind of like, I don't know, I think that happens. Like you say, oh, life is just not, not so easy when you're not doing, you don't have your parents doing everything for you. But, you know, we still didn't really connect. And after that experience, um, you know, we connected in a whole new way. So it was, um, it was really sort of a life changing thing that wouldn't have happened if I hadn't learned in Alan on how to, um, you know, what I had power over and what I didn't have power over and what was mine to do and what was not mine to do. Right. Um, and so uh, I, I talked about that experience um, and, and hopefully somebody got something from it. Um, I know. I, I don't think they did Spencer. It. I think it was, a, you should have just went home. Just went flat. Boom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, that, that, that Saturday morning meeting that, that I go to is it's a step meeting. And so we would have done step 10, which, uh, I was a little bit conflicted. I ended up sitting at the table that we were going to do the first step at, and I thought, well, okay, I'm going to stay here because, you know, maybe this is where I need to be because that's where I sat down. Um, but step 10 is actually one of my favorite steps because step 10 is what keeps me from having to do all the steps before it over again. <laughs> you know, if I, if I do step 10, if I continue to take inventory, if I continue to, when I'm um, wrong, promptly admit it and to make amends if amends are needed, then I don't have to go back and do step four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, um, which is right. a lot more work. Um, so I really like step 10, and I would have liked to be at the step 10 table, but that's what it was when I was sitting. Um, how about your week? How's your work been? Um, well, I hate you for bringing this up, so we'll just start with that. Um, a lot of things are going through my head right now. I was at um, a table, actually, with you, with that newcomer. Um, and what you had said what you did for your son is something that I think anyone in Al-Anon strives to be because when you take their choice away, you, it is so detrimental to them and just so debilitating. You're saying, you, I don't think you can handle this. So I'm going to do it for you when you're ready. Yeah. Play in until then just sit back and watch and I'll sort it, which is, is so wrong to do. And I, I'm, I will do this. I probably have done it this weekend. I mean, I, it's something I really have to work on. Um, you take their choice away. They're never going to grow. It's just stagnant. They, they, there's nothing to do. And, and it's debilitating because they're going to be in a crisis. You're not going to be there. And they're going to, they're going to be looking around for someone to jump in. And they're not there because mm -hmm. we've taken their choice away. Mm -hmm. um, so I like to think that, you know, I've, I've changed. I know I have. I, I like to think I'm further. Um, but it's come to my attention I'm not. But the work is still in progress. Um, progress, not perfection. Yeah, well, just that's remember. Sally. Just you know, there we go with the patience again, and I'm I'm working with that. <laughs> it's ever so irritating, but uh, it's huge. 
Um, and, you know, I my daughter, had, she came over Friday night and she said something. I, I brought up something about when she was a child. She goes, yeah, remember when you did this? And I thought, oh, God, is that how you took that? I thought we were having a fun time. And apparently only I was. Mm. So the, these things that pop up, um, you know, it's important for her to voice. And it wasn't done with ill intent or anything. It was her interpretation of it. And it brought me to think, and, and it was a very thought-provoking, you know, night for me. And then I had that meeting the next day um, saying about someone whose, you know, child is in recovery and how they're handling it and what you do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was at a table, uh, another Al-Anon meeting today, and it was this girl probably in her mid-20s. And she said that she went to her mom, who was still a, an alcoholic, drinking uh, actively, mm-hmm. and just stated all these things and i thought oh my god there is hope you know perhaps someday my daughter will come to me because i'm the alcoholic for for that measure mm-hmm. and uh you know perhaps she'll come to me one day and and you know we'll talk it out instead of little sporadic things we'll actually get it and the alcoholic in me says okay let's sit down and just write this all out and the Alanon person says you know what that's not her burden she'll come to me with it when she can and that's what i get through Alanon, and i've got to have that because i will jump in I will dive in head first and it'll be a puddle and I'm just going for the gold. You know, when you're talking about taking people's choices away, I remembered something else that happened on that same trip, which he had to find a new place to live. And he, he had a friend who had a, a bedroom that was kind of available in that the person who had been living in it wasn't there anymore. Um, he was living somewhere else, like with his girlfriend or something. I don't know. Um, and I was very concerned about this choice. Um, I did not think that this friend was a healthy friend for him to spend time with. Uh, and and I said as much. I said, you know, this, this choice concerns me, um, uh, partly because this friend was, was, I think, one of the people that was supplying my, my son with drugs that maybe contributed to, you know, him ended up in a psych ward. I don't know. Um, and, and I said this. And, but that was all I could do. You know, I couldn't find him another place to live. I just said, I'm concerned. And then I let it go. And about a year later, um, he came home from school for the summer and he said, I, I want to go to an Al-Anon meeting. Oh, wow. And it turns out that this friend had basically spent the last year just drinking and drugging. And my son was trying to figure out how to deal with it. And, and he came to a few meetings, and obviously he listened. I think he, he spoke a couple times even. And and he said, oh, I know what to do. I need to move out. <laughs> and I was like, hallelujah. Oh, it only took a year. You know? Yeah. Um, and he's there's been a couple of times when he makes decisions that seem crazy by my standards. And, you know, the program tells me I can I can say my piece. And then I need to shut the fuck up. And respect their choice. And respect his choice. That's where I lose it. That's um, hard for me. Oh, God. You know, this fall, I've talked about this on the podcast before. I don't know if you heard this story, though. Um, he d- he was going off to grad school. You know, good thing, right? Uh, he decided he was going to live in a tent in the woods while he was at grad school. Oh, nice. I was like, you're crazy. <laughs> I mean, you know, my Elon brain was going all kinds of places with this. You know, he was going to get mugged or arrested or, you know frozen or i mean you know all these things that can happen right die in the tundra yeah i mean you know he's in connecticut okay? it's not exactly warm there uh but this is what he was going to do and he had a plan and he had equipment and you know it was his life it was his money i wasn't paying for any of it 
Uh, so I drove him to school, and I dropped him off at the curb with his bicycle and his backpack, and I drove away. That's huge. That was hard. And then I spent the afternoon talking to Alan and friends, listening to uh, a CDs about acceptance, listening to uh, open talks uh, as I as I drove several hours to visit my parents who are in failing health. And I was not looking forward to that visit either. <laughs> That'll perk you up. Um, you know, but, but I did it and I, and I did it because I knew that he had to make, you know, his choice. Uh, I couldn't make his choices for him. And, and this living in the woods thing lasted maybe three weeks uh, before he decided it wasn't working for him. Okay. He decided it wasn't working for him. It had nothing to do with me, and I'm not the bad guy because I made him right. you know, not do this thing right. that he wanted to do. That he'd go out and do again if you hadn't let him finish it. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it, it works if we work it. <laughs> uh, and, and my life's a lot easier when I do that, I'll tell you what. Okay. Uh, so next week we're going to talk about Tradition 3. Tradition 3 is, um, you know, I don't have the exact words in front of me, but it's the one about... Um, the only requirement for membership is that there be a problem of alcoholism in a relative or friend. And uh, it's <laughs> really, yeah. That, that covers, you know, probably just about everybody, really, um, even the people who don't know it yet. Um, yeah, so, um, uh, you know, uh, call us uh, or send us an email with, uh, you know, your your experience, your questions about Tradition 3. Or just drop money off at my home. <laughs> um how, how can people oh, send really? us feedback? Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, how exciting. I didn't see that. Uh, you can leave us a voicemail at 734-707-8795. Call right now to 734-707-8795. You can also use the voicemail button on the website to join the conversation from your computer. If you prefer not to use your voice, you can send email to feedback at theirrecoveryshow.com. Yes, and we'd love to hear from you. Um, so uh, do call us or, or email us. And our website, therecoveryshow.com, has all the information about the show, notes for each episode, um, some uh, some meditations, links to the music we play, and of course you can um, you know play the blog episodes right there from the from the website if you're not subscribed on your smartphone or something. And uh, if you'd really like to join the conversation, literally, you could consider being a guest by uh, by phone or by Skype or something. Oh, we can do that? Um, we can. Oh, yeah. giddy up. Um, and uh, so send an email to the feedback at com if you're interested in doing that. Um, we got uh, a little bit of stuff in the mailbag this week, but I want to take a little break with the song Rocking Horse by Sarah Ovens. Um, Maria was supposed to be here today. She's not feeling well, and she suggested this song. She says... It talks about how the same thing can be experienced differently with a change in attitude. So even in pretty negative circumstances, with a change in attitude, she can find something positive about it. Um, and in case um, you know you have trouble hearing the lyrics over the music, it's, it's a story um, of how uh, her father carved a rocking horse out of an oak tree that used to stand in front of their house, and then it was hit by lightning. And uh, she says, that's how I live my life. I take it as it comes, and I find the hidden love when it's pouring down in me. In my mind, I see the rocking horse inside the tree. Attitude. Yeah. I would just set it on fire. That's me. <laughs> That's another way to there you enjoy go. it. Yeah. Then you're absolutely. welcome. Absolutely. 
hit by lightning Okay, we got a little bit of uh, email here. Um, could you maybe read the letter from Guy, Rachel? Down here? It's in the purple. Oh, I enjoy your show very much. My wife is my qualifier. I have two teenage children who struggle with depression and anxiety related to our action impact in home environment. Both kids have struggled with school grades and handling other responsibilities. Normal, normal rewards and consequences have not had normal positive behavior effects. I struggle with knowing what I should be holding on, be holding them accountable for and what is part of the disease and should allow natural consequence to hold them accountable. Same holds true with my wife. Not sure where to draw the line of accountability. Would love to hear your thoughts. Ooh, that's a good one. And I got to say, guy, that's that's a huge topic, man. That is. That's Um, a show and a half. It's something we all struggle with, uh, with our loved ones. And uh, I would say keep on listening um, because I think we do – address this probably to some extent every show uh, but it's also um, a great topic idea about uh, you know how do we hold our loved ones accountable f- when they're affected by this disease um, what what are they accountable for what are they not accountable for whether it's the you know the primary um, addict or alcoholic or whether it's the other people in the family who are affected I, you know and not th- taking it on yourself and not taking it on yourself for sure yeah um, yeah. Uh, I can't say I did it perfectly when my kids were teenagers, and uh, and we were right in the middle of it then. Uh, <clears throat> so uh, our sister podcast, Recovered, is in the middle of a series on the seven deadly sins, and and I participated in last week's episode where we talked about sloth or sloth. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and this week the topic is going to be envy. Oh God. Yeah, the you know the AA twelve and twelve suggests the seven deadly sins as a way of looking at our shortcomings, and uh, it's sort of amazing how many character defects will fit into one or more of these <laughs> categories. Uh, you know, maybe you don't remember all seven of them, or uh, maybe you never even learned them. Uh, uh, you know, so check out Recovered there at recoveredcast.com uh, for the ongoing discussion. I know they've talked about greed and anger and sloth, and they're talking about envy and. Uh, there was uh, there was some chatter last week about how well maybe they weren't going to talk about lust. Um, I don't know. Oh yes, there's <laughs> even to. a club for that. I of course they were. <laughs> you know? But uh, anyway, um, so yeah, check out recoveredcast.com. There's there's great discussion there. Um, and if you've been listening to this show for a while, you may recall that uh, I think it was back in the summer. Some of us attended a local screening of the movie The Anonymous People. And did you see that, Rachel? I didn't. Um, I, I didn't. I feel a little out of it right now. Yeah. Um, well, I just got a notice in the email of an upcoming online screening. They're going to be running it for 24 hours online. Really? It's like an hour and a half, hour to hour and a half movie. I forget exactly. Um, and uh, I'll just read part of the release notice. I'll post the whole thing up uh, 
on our website. Hazelden's social community will host a free online screening of the anonymous people with a live question and answer. On March 1st, the Hazelden Betty Ford Foundation, a founding partner of the Many Faces, One Voice call to action campaign, will host a free online stream of the anonymous people via the Hazelden social community starting at 12 midnight. On that day, the anonymous people will be available for people all over the world to watch for 24 hours only. The film's director, Greg Williams, and other key subjects from the film, including Hazel and Betty Ford Foundation's William Cope Myers, will be available for a live chart at 5 p.m. EST. The anonymous people tells the story of the over 23 million Americans living in long-term recovery from addiction to alcohol and other drugs. It has ignited new energy and a grassroots public recovery movement by bringing the faces and voices of the leaders, volunteers, corporate executives, and celebrities in recovery to the forefront. And uh, I just wanted to play the trailer again because it just, every time I play this, it almost brings me to tears. Whether we want to admit this or not, this is our black plague. There's 25 million people that suffer from this illness. We have an epidemic. It's a national crisis that untreated addiction cost our economy over $550 billion last year. It is disgraceful that we have done so little about it thus far. Once you're an addict, you're that thing that they have to hide. So many people think of addicts as homeless people living under bridges. The media is difficult for us to battle against because the negative news about addiction is dramatic. You know what we in the media do? We wink, wink it. We snoop dog it. Hey, oh yeah, they're stoned. That's fine. If everyone thinks of alcoholism and addiction as a negative thing, no one's going to want to go get help. As a culture, we are still very rooted in just say no. Drugs are menacing our society. We're going to try to incarcerate our way out of the addiction problem. Our jails are full of addicts and alcoholics. They're all pulled up in one spot. When you're caught, you will do time. Recovery is what you need, not prison. Hello? Alcoholism has too long been a taboo subject. The shame and secrecy are just as deadly as the disease itself. Our numbers are unbelievably strong, but yet we have no voice. We know about every issue out there, but people don't know how important the issue of recovery is. As a person in long-term recovery from an illness that has no cure, but an illness that has a solution. If we could ever tap those 20 million people in long-term recovery, you'd change this overnight. Now it's my turn to teach you that recovery works. History's on our side. History will show one day who and what we are. So I say we make history. Voices are out there. We have to find and open the hearts. And I think those hearts want to be open. I refuse to feel ashamed of who I am. I most certainly will not be embarrassed that I'm an addict. I'm going to tell whoever I damn well want to. There's a lot of us. Everyone knows somebody. Seeing that trailer, it just makes me think that you don't, it doesn't have to be a huge, uh, 
it's not like a parade where you have to either be a, a celebrity or a, a, a drunk in a gutter. I mean, there are so exactly. many of us. And, and the recovery is just, as we said in the beginning, it's a group of people exploring their life and sharing it and getting feedback. It's bringing communication back to its most basic level and understanding that it, it's all good and it'll all work if you let it. Yeah, and, and one of the things that they're talking about and, and the group who brought the movie here um, talked about you know, getting out there and, and saying, I'm in recovery. For those people, that it's comfortable for them to do that. Right. Um, and I think back to the early 70s when Betty Ford came out and said, I have breast cancer, which was something you did not talk about. You did not talk about it then, and now we have you know, runs for breast cancer and walks and marches and pink ribbons and, and it's all over the place. And I think the same thing could happen with recovery that, that, you know, and she was a pioneer in saying, yeah, I'm an alcoholic and, and I got help and, and you can get help too. And that helped a lot of people, you know, find, find a way to sobriety as well. Yeah. Um, exactly. and, uh, you know, maybe it's time for people to, to, to step up and speak up. Um, and I understand when, you know, some people's jobs are on the line if they if they come out and and that is you know that's important. I mean, but some people can do it and and uh, you know you can get out there and I don't know, you know there was a march in Detroit um, last summer I think for recovery and I didn't know anything about it till afterwards. Well, um, and there's the whole anonymity thing too. Is that yeah. you know we're taught that and we respect it. Right, and but if you if you actually look at the tradition, it says that. Um, we're anonymous as members of whichever, you know, 12 right. step program we're in. Um, and, you know, what we do here, um, you know, I mean, maybe somebody hears your voice and recognizes it, but that would be somebody, you know, um, who probably already knows. And I'm very you know. open with it. Yeah. I don't, I don't care. Exactly. And, I, and I've got to watch that because I see people in the grocery store or someone, Hey, how are you? And I'm, I just, I see yeah. a wave and make an eye contact and I'll follow however they want to do it. Yeah. If you just want to wave, exactly. just yeah. a, just a friend. Yeah. That's all um, you guys say. You know, but, so here we, on the podcast, we talk about our own experience. We talk about our own, you know, way of working the 12 steps. We don't put ourselves forward as a representative of the program. Oh, God, no. <laughs> well, you know that and I know that. <laughs> but somebody listening might say, oh, you know, this is, this is what Al-Anon is. It's, you know, it's what these people are saying. And so try to make that, make that explicit, um, to, you know, to honor that tradition, um, you know, I'm not here saying this is what Al-Anon is. Anyway, so yeah, so I would, I'm definitely going to um, try to check that out again because it was, it was an amazing movie um, to see. Saw it in the theater with, you know, a bunch of people in recovery. Hey, it was awesome. Uh, all right, let's close up here. It doesn't cost you anything to listen to the recovery show, but we do have expenses. They run about $60 a month and you can help to support us and keep us on the web and in your ear in a couple of ways. We have a donation button on the website where you can support us directly. We've also put together a list of recovery-related books. You can buy these through Amazon by clicking on the link um, links on the, on our uh, books page on the website, and we get a small commission from that, and that uh, also helps to uh, to keep the website up and to keep the podcast coming. So I want to close the show with uh, a song that was suggested by uh, our friend Charlie. Uh, she. She sent an email, said, oh, obvious choice for the changed attitudes is changes in latitudes, changes in attitudes by Jimmy Buffett. 
I'm not a big Jimmy Buffett fan, but I realized that especially right now where I'm sitting here looking out at, you know, the still foot of snow or whatever's in my backyard, even though it's been melting <laughs> and some of it's been melting into my basement, that a little reminder of, you know, the islands and the warmth uh, maybe <laughs> is really appropriate right now and uh, might help my attitude. <laughs> Thank you for listening and please keep coming back. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. If we did not talk about a problem you are facing today, feel free to contact us so that we can talk about it in a future episode. May understanding, love, and peace growing you one day at a time. I took off for a weekend last month just to try and recall the whole year. All of the faces and all of the places wandering where they all disappeared. i